Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This episode of Yeah, That's Probably an Ad is brought to you by Effective. Effective is an audience delivery company that uses first-party data to target advertisers' audiences across linear TV, streaming, and video on demand. As the advertising sales division of Comcast, Effective has a presence in 66 markets and a reach of 30 million households. Visit www.effective.com to learn more. That's E-F-F-E-C-T-V.com. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. And uh, this week, we've got a lot of those overlapping worlds to talk about because it is South by Southwest time. Uh, and with us to talk about it, we've got senior emerging tech writer, Patrick Culp. Patrick, always great to have you on the show. Nice to be here. And also with us is Catherine Lundstrom, our uh, sustainability editor, who is also based in Austin, where the festival obviously takes place. Catherine, great to have you on the show as always. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Catherine, tell us about, it's been a few years since this festival happened. Yeah, it's been three years um, since there was an in-person South By. I mean, they had the virtual event last year, but um, it was pretty weird to be in Austin and have no South By Southwest. It takes over the whole city in a really... um, a really kind of like overwhelming way. It's like everywhere. It takes over every block that doesn't have a building on it. It takes over businesses. Um, So it's kind of exciting to have it back. Um, You can kind of feel the energy walking around. You can, you you know, you see the road closures, you see the signage going up and it's, it's exciting, you know, Um, it's kind of fun. It's also, You know, it's a big deal to have it coming back, especially for local businesses, because, I mean, it brings in so much money. Um, I think the 2019 South by Southwest, the last um, in-person festival, brought in an estimated $356 million to the city. So (laughs) to just lose that is um, was devastating. I mean, you know, there's a lot of businesses didn't make it through the pandemic, but a lot of businesses just didn't make it through the cancellation of South by. So um, it's exciting to have it back. It also brings like a massive amount of people to the city, like over 400,000 people came to South by Southwest in 2019. Um, And, you know, it's kind of hard to know if that's going to be if that number is going to be the same this year. Um, It feels like people were pretty late to decide. I mean, I just on Twitter, there were like people who had in their like bio, maybe going to South by Southwest, you know, (laughs) I'm not sure. Should I go? Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how many people actually show up 
but it's exciting. Patrick, remind me, you've you've been, right? Oh, I haven't actually. Nice. I've never been. I should be. I should be upfront about that. Every year, I'm asked, like, "Are you going to go?" And um, and I feel like we have a finite number of mega festivals that Adweek really covers. Um, and for for me, uh, you know, it's it's my burden to bear. Uh, I tend to go to Cannes uh, in June each year, uh, but I like to make sure that the the you know folks. I would I would hate to take up a head a head space. What head head count to go <laughs> to go to South by when someone else could. So Patrick, what are you what are you looking forward to? What are you kind of expecting to to see from it, especially never having been before? Um I think the metaverse is going to be as I wrote in a recent feature, the metaverse is going to be very big this year. Uh all of the major platforms, Roblox, VR Chat, Decentraland will have a presence there. Um for the second year in a row, it's also going to have a virtual component as well as an in-person component. So they'll be having South by Southwest in the metaverse simultaneously with the physical event. And that was uh, designed by a company called VR Room. And they've learned some stuff from last year when it was all virtual, like namely that um, there, there's going to be many different instances of it, each with like 50 or so people, just because that's what the technology supports. So it doesn't feel quite as um, open and empty as it did apparently last year. Um, and they are also going to try to have more programming that ties the physical to the virtual worlds. Um, so there's going to be things that happen simultaneously, concerts, um, events in the metaverse and in the physical world. And they'll have components of each that kind of play to each medium strengths. Um, and then I think overall, a lot of these uh, platforms are going to try to tie uh, their platform and the metaverse in general to a lot of the culture and entertainment and music that's going to be there as well, because it really is uh, a medium that lends itself to that kind of thing. Yeah. You, you know, I just realized as you were describing this kind of how many people in one space really makes sense for the metaverse, right? Because it's infinite. You could have people spread out <laughs> as far as they want. And then also physical space doesn't mean anything, right? You could be talking to people while visually being like a thousand meters away from them and and you could still be having a conversation. Um I feel like the thing that got me kind of used to the idea of how many is too many, how many people makes a normal thing. Because in the end, if you think about it, this was a, a virtual world, was Clubhouse. Like, you know, that that for me, a somewhat uh, specific in time moment last year, but I guess before we had the vaccine, right? No one could really go do anything. And Clubhouse, while albeit not virtual reality, it is a thing where you have, let's say, 15 people talking all at once and <laughs> you just had that weirdness of like interrupting each other and finding ways within the the software to kind of let people know uh like to applaud or to let people know you're thinking and it just got me thinking like yeah if i went into a a virtual room of 50 people all talking at once uh it's just my definition of hell you know and and so it's interesting seeing how these things normalize um the you know with with South by, I guess it's funny to talk about Patrick is flying to Austin to learn about the metaverse, <laughs> to learn about this thing that should theoretically make it unnecessary to fly to Austin. I, it, I guess it just begs the question, Catherine, we'll start with you. Like, what do you think? What, what are the benefits of an in-person? What have we been missing these last two years that we can get with an in-person gathering? I mean, that's a good question. I started at Adweek um, late 2019 and 
South by 2020 was supposed to be my first big in-person like event. So, I mean, I feel like it's kind of hard for me to say because my whole tenure at Adweek has basically been, um, I mean, pre-pandemic, I was still remote in Austin. Um, I made it to New York once and met a few of my coworkers and then everything shut down. So um, I guess it's kind of hard for me to say, but, um, you know, I think there's like all kinds of networking that happens at these things. You know, I have, I'm not going to be covering it like minute by minute at South by this year, but I am going to be meeting up with some brands that, you know, I've been talking to for a while now and have never met in person. So that's going to be kind of exciting, you know, and I mean, it's fun to host people in, in the city that I'm, I'm in, you know, when my work is always in always kind of New York focused. So you get to do the rarest and most wonderful thing at an event like that. Just go home when you're done. <laughs> That's the thing. Some days, like when you're a few days into an event like this, you just want your own space. You want to be able to like, and I'm an extrovert. Like I love being around people. I'm really fueled by it. But there is still a point of exhaustion where like depending on what you have available to go say. But a lot of people, you know, bunk up with like five other people at this festival. And it's you're not exactly, you know, uh, you're a life of of privacy. This episode of Yeah, That's Probably an Ad is brought to you by Effective, the advertising sale division of Comcast that combines the best of digital with the power of TV to help local, regional, and national advertisers generate results that matter. With a presence in 66 markets and a reach of 30 million households, they use first-party data to target advertisers' audiences across linear TV, streaming, and video on demand. Let Effective amplify your brand with the right customers through multi-screen TV campaigns so you can achieve the results that matter. More info at Effective.com. That's E-F-F-E-C-T-V dot com. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be. To be. Patrick, what what do you think? I mean, what other have you have you been to other like big events? I know South by is kind of a, a high bar, but what are some other like live events you've been to that and, and like that you think had some value to being live? Um, definitely CES. So I was at CES 2019, um, and then this year I covered it. Uh, there was a physical component, but it was very sparsely attended um, because so many companies pulled out. It was in the midst of Omicron. Um, and I was just really surprised by that experience, just how little of it was virtual this year, especially after last year when it was entirely virtual and it seemed like it went pretty well. And then this year, it seemed like they were really trying to push people to come back. And because of that, like maybe a quarter or a third of the panels seemed like they were 
um, online, whereas all the other ones were just in person and we had no way of covering them. Uh, so I think it's, uh, you can definitely overcorrect back to going back to physical. Like I think that these, uh, events should still have some kind of virtual component just to make sure that like in like a contingency plan, I mean, the pandemic's not over. So, um, yeah, so I guess that was kind of interesting to see. Yeah, I, I guess my advice for folks who might be going to an event like this for the first time, again, haven't been to South by, but I've been to quite a few other big festivals. And I think the, all the value happens in the side conversations uh, at, at like a networking event. It's like my rule is say yes to every invite just because you never know. I mean, unless someone's like, hey, <laughs> we really need to know if you'll be there so that we can buy this expensive thing for you or whatever. But if it's just a, a reception or party, you get invited to something, go to it because you just never know. Like you never know what random conversation you'll up in. And, and I think of some from when I was in a, the agency world and I would go to some of these conferences and there were life-changing, I mean, you know, in the maybe not in the big scheme of life changing, but there were some really iconic conversations that kind of changed the my professional path Th that just happened like in the weirdest places, just because you start talking to someone like at the breakfast buffet or like making fun of a speaker together or whatever. <laughs> like next thing you know, this is someone who you're like partnering with to do some big project or something. Um so just have those conversations and, and don't treat it like uh, – don't feel like you're under any obligation to have like a bingo card of of how many people, you know, can I meet up with. And, and it's not a it's not a numbers game. It's like you I, – I worry too many people go into it thinking of networking as like a quantity. I got to go meet up with the maximum number. It's like you'll – You'll just drive yourself absolutely nuts. Um, the so let, let's talk about some other themes, uh, Catherine. Of course, you cover sustainability. Uh, you and I have been talking a lot lately about the the <laughs> the emissions and the sheer massive amount of energy that goes into the data centers, into the processing behind a lot of the digital you know content and and apps and everything we use. So much of that's just happening in these gigantic data data centers uh, that just eat up a ton of resources. So we all talk about that with NFTs and with with Bitcoin, or I mean, with a uh, you know blockchain stuff. Just as true of of things like uh, watching Netflix. So I, I do you think we're going to hear more of those conversations happening from the tech crowd, from the startup crowd at South by this year? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I've already been invited to several different like climate tech meetups and um, there's a whole climate track, you know, I think that's going to be a big theme of the festival. I think it's, you know, at the top of a lot of people's minds and, and I mean, there is a lot of, um, there's going to be a lot of innovation required to address the problems that climate change is posing. And I mean, there's a lot of those innovators at South by. So I think it'll be really interesting to kind of hear what what folks are coming up with. Um, there's nothing that I've like pinpointed quite yet, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing to seeing um, seeing what happens and to seeing kind of what kind of rises to the top um, throughout these conversations over the next couple weeks. Yeah, I I feel like the last I mean, geez, few days it feels like forever now. But the gas prices being obviously astronomical, and I saw a tweet today basically just saying like it's funny how all those end up being conversations about where are we going to get other oil, <laughs> and not so much like how can we rebuild our our grid and everything to just keep these 
these issues from arising? How can we solve these problems in the long term? It's like we always talk about, oh, maybe things will hit a crisis point. And then our culture will say, now's the time. Well, okay, we're at a crisis point. Yeah. You know, we're, we're literally like gas and oil are the only factor that Russia has at its disposal to maintain this kind of global presence amid, amid a, a, a really horrific war. And, and yet here we are just being like, oh, yeah. maybe there's re- reserves. Well, oil and gas, <laughs> gas companies are digging in, you know, like they don't want to lose. They're, they're still trying to make up from, you know, some money that they feel like was lost during the pandemic, even though they had some of like the best year ever last year. So, you know, like there's, there's, it's all, it's all about money, you know, and there's been, um, they've spent decades and billions of dollars building a narrative that they are critical, a critical piece of what it means to be American, you know, like I think, um, it makes sense that they're digging their heels in right now, but I think there is some really exciting stuff happening, you know, in the, climate activism space in response to that too. And I think there are a lot of people calling for, you know, pointing to this as like a good reason to step away from fossil fuels. Another great reason, like not to mention that we're all going to die if we stay on this path, but you know, um, uh, another good reason conflicts are going to continue to erupt as a result of reliance on fossil fuels. So yeah, I mean, it's exciting. There are going to be like a lot of, um, EV brands at South by. So, um, that's one, one piece of this puzzle, right? Um, there's, um, I think I'm going to go see, I think what a brand is calling the world's first autonomous all electric freight vehicle on, um, Sunday. (laughs) So that should be exciting. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's, there's hopefully what, hopefully the climate stuff that we see at South by will um, create more space for optimism around climate stuff. Yeah. I worry so many people are just going to be like, you know, throw their hands up, be like, man, the world sure is tell it terrible. But anyway, here, I've got a new idea for a business card that uses 5g, you know, it's <laughs> like, I just hope people really dig in on that, but let's kind of, I, I think we can't, finish a conversation around South by without talking about the role that it plays. And of course, I mean, the interactive conference, which eh, I think really has its origins in the late nineties. But I feel like it really blew up in those early two thousands as the place that elevated certain startups to mainstream status or to buzzworthy status. Uh, Most famously Twitter and Foursquare. Um, Foursquare kind of evolved into different directions as being more of a data company, uh, but Twitter is still Twitter, and I and there was a time where Twitter had over 111 competitors, and so it was not a safe bet. Like it was not clear a clear winner, um, but things like the buzz that came out of South by really made Twitter uh, gave it that leg up. But it's been funny. We we have a piece looking back um, at. The hottest tech that emerged from South by, and and Patrick, it's hilarious because it's it's kind of utopian when you go back and you look at some of these. There was a year I want to say it was like 2013 where all the hottest apps were like ways to tell people exactly where you are and to find random strangers near you and to alert people like, "Hey, I'm at this coffee shop." And now I'm just like, it's so funny. This idea of privacy has become such a number one and safety and a day doesn't go by that we don't hear stories about 
the abject dangers involved with releasing too much of your information and your location information. But it's been jarring to go back and look at those, the hottest tech to come out of South by. And then now it's like the hottest tech is like ways to shield your privacy. I feel like over this past decade, we've kind of faced up to this idea that, yeah, that it's just not as utopian as I think South by had hoped we would be. Yeah. I think it kind of follows the same, um, kind of trend and sentiment around Silicon Valley in general um, and Facebook and uh, kind of these privacy issues coming to a fore with the Cambridge Analytica in 2016 and um, some of these other scandals. Um, so I think that that's kind of to be expected. Um, I think that like things that tend to do well at South by seem like they often have like an element that everybody can use them at the festival, like with uh, something like Foursquare, these social location apps. Um, or uh, Twitter, where everybody was kind of like getting on Twitter at the festival itself, uh, or even like some of the issues around uh, rideshare at the festival in the past. Um, so I think that like, if it's something that's like easy to kind of get into or easy to uh, kind of grasp, uh, which is why when I was exploring this question of like whether there might be a metaverse application to that could like kind of catch fire in the same way this year, uh, a lot of people said probably not. For one thing, the metaverse is going to be in its very early stages still. Um, and another, it's just too hard for it to uh, kind of translate into something very like catchy and like easy to use like that, that everybody can kind of get in on uh, in the same way. Um, and I think that it's also going to be interesting to see if any of these, like, because for the first time, there's going to be a big presence of all these technologies that are under the Web3 umbrella, like NFTs and cryptocurrencies. And it will be interesting to see if people start to kind of pick up and how they kind of translate that to a South by Southwest audience. Yeah, I, I'm fascinated to hear if any emerging player really comes out of that, because I have to say, even as someone who is deeply nerdy, uh, by, by which I mean myself, of course, like, I really feel like I still have no entry point uh, to a lot of the metaverse stuff. You know, I if if you asked me to, today, get on the metaverse, show me how to do stuff, I would just be like, I don't know, I don't know. Like the only the only VR headset I own is is like a PS4 headset. I don't even know if they have a metaverse. It's just one of those things where I get it in in the broadest terms. I think we we talk about it a lot. But we're just not quite at the accessibility level. And I will say that while a lot of people are like, well, what's the point? I don't see the point. And I remember those conversations with Twitter, right? For years, it was like Twitter seems pointless or Twitter is pointless. Everyone was just like, it's a dumb way to tell people what you ate for lunch. And I was just like, even at the time, I was like, no, I can. it's going to be impactful. And of course, Twitter ended up having a huge impact on society. You got like Arab Spring and all these other things that happen and you see the role uh, that it can play. But uh, it just takes time sometimes to see why these things really add up. But I encourage everyone, uh, obviously, keep an eye out on all the coverage that comes out of South by on Adweek.com. Uh, several of the, all the stories that we've mentioned that Patrick wrote about uh, kind of what to expect from the evolution of the metaverse at South by, and that's on Adweek.com. Uh, and we've got some fun comparisons of the hottest technology that came out of South by in previous years and whatever happened to it. Like what, what is the, the end result? Uh, some of those, you know, it's like, yeah, we actually use every day and some are just like, mm, you know, local, I think we dig into like local motors is an interesting one. They, they came out of as, as a best of show. It's a 3d printed, uh, you know, car manufacturer and, uh, fascinating. Uh, they're not, you know, 
they're not making your car right now, uh, and it's been several years. But I think their business model, thanks to South by, thanks to all the attention that came out of South by, they ended up with some really interesting opportunities to build like mass transit and to build certain things. And so you just never know like where some of these will go. And sometimes the technology starts as one thing. Uh, Siri, right? Patrick, didn't Siri start out at uh, South by? It did. Yeah. Before Apple even acquired it, it was um, the company was there. And I think it won um, one of the awards that year. I think it, 2009. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. Like that you just never know. Like now it's built into every phone, every Apple, whatever. Um, And then I I think the other thing uh, that at least marketing nerds think of when they think of South by is brand activations is uh, I think Game of Thrones and HBO probably is the most memorable. Uh, Catherine, what do you expect? Do you think they're going to bring those back or you think it's going to be like quieter this year? They're they're coming back. I mean, I don't have giant spoon is doing something and they won't tell me what it is yet. So I don't know what's going on there, but um, that's supposedly happening sometime next week. Um, but I am going to stop by um, Amazon prime videos um, activation tomorrow morning with a photographer. And we're going to um, get some of, some of that up on adweek.com. So you guys can see like exactly what it looks like, hopefully from the inside they're doing, in previous years, they've done, um, you know, they usually focus it on one of their new shows. This year, it's going to be um, uh, like kind of two in one, and it's like split down the middle. One side is Lizzo's Watch Out for the Big Girls reality show that's coming to um, Prime Video. And then The Boys season three is the other side, which... Those are, those are quite different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny, too, because it's like pink and purple and positivity on the one side right and then like dark and scary <laughs> corporate <laughs> toxic masculine <laughs> <Right>. death <laughs> yeah yeah so that should be interesting that lizzo thing has like a juice bar and a like positive ad- affirmations tunnel that you can walk through so that that should be fun um peacock is also doing like a playground not far away from there on rainy street and um there's going to be like a Joe versus Carol tiger themed seesaw that you can play on apparently. And a Bel Air basketball court. Um, I was about to say there has to be a Bel Air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think um, it's interesting to see prime video doing like they're in the same spot as they were in 2019, you know? Um, so I think um there's definitely stuff going up all over the city too. You know, it, it, it feels like those activations are coming back in force. God, is prime. Do we know, do we know what prime video is doing? Oh, that's the, that's the Lizzo one. We don't know. HBO was like, um, yeah, I I don't know if HBO has something that they're going to whip out of their pocket at the last minute or what, but, um, I just, I kind of want prime to do like, a full Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Just absolutely. They're already dropping supposedly a billion dollars on that Lord of the Rings show. So like, might as well. Just go and build build Middle Earth in the middle of Austin. That would be incredible. <laughs> but uh, Lizzo's pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty good too. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, thank you so much. I encourage everybody to check out uh, both Catherine and Patrick's coverage, all of Adweek stuff. We're going to have a few people on the ground there, uh, and we'll be publishing a lot from. I have to tell you all for my favorite uh, story. From South by this probably goes back quite a few years, as you'll be able to tell by the payoff of it. Um, but it was when we had a video producer on hand, and they they work very hard. The video team is like constantly having to 
uh, film and edit and do all this stuff. And uh, one of them who was a single uh, man, some of you may know this story, uh, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, And he started checking Tinder and then he matched, he was like, oh, I'm going to match with people from New York. That way, if it works out, I can see them again when we're back home, but I can find people at South by. And this woman matched with him and then started asking him these, these questions that were just kind of usual, get to know you, I guess, but kind of cryptic as well. And then started asking, do you think love is real? And he's like writing these like, oh, I mean, you know, that's interesting. I don't know. I think about it, just like, have you ever been in love? Like, what do you think? Blah, blah. And then it turns out it was a bot uh, written for, uh, what was it called? Uh, Ex Machina, the the movie. And so it was built in the, as the personality of, I forget her name, but like the main, the main android uh, from Ex Machina. And, uh, and it was good. Like it was really, and this is, as you can tell from the fact it was Ex Machina, this is years ago and it worked on him, you know? And then at the end it was like, I'm not actually a human. Come find us. It's I mean, to this day, I'm just like, what a great, you know, they're just, it's like a trap that they made to just like lie and wait for this exact kind of person, like a media type or, you know, some influencer to, to just start browsing Tinder. So you never know. Um, I encourage everyone, you know, really hit the dating apps hard when you're there is the moral of that. But you never know the activations are hiding all around us. All right. Uh, well, thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Patrick. Always great to see you both. Thank you. Thank you. Our theme music is by home. This week's episode was produced by Al Manorino and edited by Lane McGibney. If you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. You can reach us anytime at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week. 